1: You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra
2: mile for you. Call, click or just stop by. Granger
3: for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio,
2: wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at ua.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media.
3: This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib
1: and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday shorty edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We couldn't not give you an emergency pod. First of all, got to keep up that cadence three pods a week. We don't want to disappoint you. Second of all, Garrett Cole injury. It's the only thing we haven't had yet, really, in this House of Horrors 10-day stretch following a two-and-a-half-week 13 game win streak only the 2021 Yankees would immediately go two and eight following that stretch and Garrett Cole left the game on Tuesday in the fourth inning with some sort of injury a bunch of Twitter doctors did their thing including David Cohn and Michael Kay in the booth notice Cole briefly glanced at his hand before leaving said it was blisters it's not blisters obviously looking at your hand is sort of something you do in shame Injury had nothing to do with that. It's hamstring tightness. It's precautionary. Cole thinks he might be able to make his next start, might not be able to. I'm going to go ahead and say he's not going to be able to. But regardless, the news could have been much, much worse. And I never, ever want to go back to that 30-minute spiral where I was like so serenely calm thinking that Garrett Cole had suffered some sort of catastrophic arm injury that I just sort of went into a fugue state. I think I punched a shower curtain, which if you're going to punch something is the most punchable possible item. But before we get too negative, I'm going to throw it to Thomas Carinante in a second. Today is also Derek Jeter's much-delayed Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Didn't quite get unanimous. Mariano Rivera did. Jeter didn't. People are very, very upset that Derek Jeter exists. So we're going to take a little time to reminisce about our favorite Jeter memories. And of course, come for the haters who are absolutely beside themselves in their diapers today on this very special day. Uh, screwing themselves into knots about an extremely obvious Hall of Famer named Derek Jeter, who is one of the most iconic baseball players to ever play the game of baseball. Thomas Carinante, the highs and lows. Welcome to the pod. How are you doing on this beautiful Wednesday where we originally said the Yankees got to win two out of these four. And then after they lost the first, two out of the next three. Now they've lost the second and don't have Garrett Cole for either the third or fourth. I guess you just got to win one and try to be two and a half up on Toronto when they leave. Uh, But also in reality, this team sucks.
2: Yeah. Back to back to what we've been talking about for the first four months of the season. Uh, very great that we're deciding to bring up Luis Heel now after he hasn't pitched since August 17th for the big league yeah, club. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to give more starts to Andrew Heaney um, in the mean, between August 17th and now instead of just bringing up the guy who tossed three scoreless innings in his first three MLB appearances and made history. Uh, once again, all I want is an explanation. All I want is for some of it to make sense. It doesn't make sense. The offensive setbacks don't make sense. The decision-making continues to not make sense. Um, hey, eh, If we have any bit of good news, the Rays and the White Sox are doing us favors. We were kind of worried about the Red Sox, uh, not the Red Sox, the White Sox going into that series with the A's because they have a ton of injuries to their uh, starting rotation. However, they got the win last night and the Rays are just pummeling the Red Sox into the dirt. Um and if you're rooting for the Red Sox at any point in the season, fuck you, whoever you yeah, are, or... how
1: are. How are you guys doing today? Now the Yankees are nine and a half back in yeah. the race. You still and, and a half game separated from the Red Sox. You, you guys still rooting for the the Red Sox? Go topple the Rays, get a season altering victory. Is that still something you guys are looking at? It's just crazy. Wondering. It's
2: just crazy because the, the, these fans who are who root for the Red Sox are the ones who talk about variance and uh, regression and the Yankees are in the midst of a 13-game win streak, and you think that there's not going to be any variance at any point, where they're going to just not keep winning fucking games by getting every bounce and by getting timely hits, which is something they hadn't been able to do for the first four months. It's just your existence is, is the embodiment of a catch-22. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, uh, the Yankees should... Get one of these games. And at that point, I mean, that's that's all they need at this point to stop the bleeding because they just need to the, the good the good news is that they've just stayed ahead in the wild card, and that's all we've needed them to do. They're not winning this division, it's been unrealistic for quite some time now. Um you just have to accept the fact that the Rays are probably the second best team in baseball. Like best team in the American league by they're far. the best team in the American league by far. They're seven up on the Astros. They're eight up on the, on the white Sox, and those are supposed to be the best teams. Um, as long as the Yankees can hold serve uh, and get this home wild card game. I think that's all anybody will care about They're They're uh, two up on Boston in the loss column. Uh, but the blue Jays are gaining ground after these last two nights, two games back of the wild card spot. Um, so, uh, and actually the Astros did us a favor last night by beating, uh, they beat the Mariners, right? Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. Like, they Brandon came back in the clutch. bottom of the ninth. Yeah. He hit a two run homer to tie it in the bottom of the ninth and then they won an extras. Um, so now that kicks Seattle back to three, three games back in Oakland's three and a half games back. So, Uh, I mean, if the Yankees are going to lose, you have to look at the other circumstances and see how it benefits them right now. They they have gotten lucky in, in, uh, in other areas, but I mean, guys, you just, you simply have to win and score runs 15 runs in their last five games. And that's inflated by the seven run performance against the Orioles on Sunday. Um, it's unacceptable. We're back to, we're back to being frustrated and calling the performance unacceptable because it is unacceptable. They're not facing. They're not facing any caliber of starting pitcher that is supposed to shut them down. Um, they're just not doing anything of note. It's bad at bats. It's bad awareness. I mean, they did have bad luck last night. How many times did they hit to the warning track? Um, but just hit one over the fence. How many days do we have? To, they haven't had extra base hit since Sunday in the sixth inning. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> is that good?
1: Um, I mean, the, the crazy part about, about Tuesday's game is – Garrett Cole injured in the fourth inning, doesn't have his best stuff. You can't figure out what it is, can't command the curveball. What have you, whatever. Albert Abreu gets out of that jam and it's 3-1. The problem is the offense, they don't they don't score again. It doesn't nope. matter if Garrett Cole stays in the game. If Garrett Cole gives up more than one run, they lose that game. Like, and theoretically, you know what? Do I want Garrett Cole to be a fire breathing ace every time he steps in the mound and throw eight shutout? In that game, sure, then you're still calling out a Roldis Chapman to protect a one nothing lead because this team can't hit. Again, all of a sudden, they can't hit. They even benched Joey Gallo yesterday, who's been the biggest problem. Hopefully, he reemerges on Wednesday and doesn't hit in the two spot. That'd be nice because he struggles there. Be cool to see Aaron Judge. Rizzo leading off maybe anything to keep DJ LeMahieu out of a double play spot because oh my god it, like it is re- like <laughs> first off the Yankees should have given DJ LeMahieu a blank check this offseason anyway because uh, money is endless and they can give everyone a blank check and and who cares but uh that fan service signing has turned out not terrible because at worst, D.J. LeMahieu is a competent contributor, but at, he's not an MVP. And when he's not an MVP, that downgrades the overall quality of this roster. Because Glaber Torres has regressed. Gio Rochella has regressed. The juice ball helped all three of those players immensely, even though Lemayhu was also really, really good in 2020. But without LeMahieu and I mean, they had Lemayhu and Voight as MVP candidates in the short in 2020 and were barely a playoff team. So with LeMahieu as a below average hitter and solid B minus contributor who hits in a way too many double plays and with void as somebody who ends up on the bench for three games before playing once. This just is not the same baseball team. Uh, we're, we're back into – after the 13-game win streak, we are right back into wholesale changes are necessary mode, which is just an awesome place to be in. It's wild they lost Cole when they did, and that didn't end up being the narrative from that game. Instead, it was getting owned by Steven Matz and being held to singles and rarely rallying, to be honest. There were not a lot of opportunities. When Cole went down, where was your panic meter at? Because I, I honestly am not kidding. I think the Orioles – like, I, I was divorced from Yankee reality – for a couple weeks earlier this season, when Chapman blew the four run lead to the angels, I've said this many times, it was like a 15 day period before I was back, like until the end of the Astros series, Mm -hmm. like when they'd win, I'd go, what the heck? Very nice. And when they lose, I go, yep. Okay, great. Um, I'm right back there again after the Orioles game on Sunday, which was an absolute must win. They allowed the Orioles to come back and score every time they scored, um, over and over and over again, which is what bad and losing teams do. once they did that, I was like, you know what? It's going to be a while before they command my respect again. Uh, so I was honestly emotionally divorced. I, have been waiting for for a Garrett Cole injury for like two years because that's what happens when people sign with the Yankees. Um, and when it ended up not being an arm injury, that's wonderful. I, I hope he gets as much time off as he needs. There is no reason for him to rush back and make his next start, even though Andrew Heaney is probably going to be occupying the innings. Uh, maybe it's a Severino, Herman, Michael King, uh, Kluber sandwich. That might be cool. Um, maybe yeah. Luis Heel gets a start, and Cortez is back on his regular turn. I don't know. Um, do whatever you can to keep Garrett Cole healthy, because you need him to win the wild card game. You, the rotation has not been the problem. Um, there are a lot of plug and play arms who are not named Andrew Heaney who can be helpful during this time, especially if Cole doesn't have to miss much time, but where was your panic meter? Did you immediately go to the worst case scenario or no?
2: No, I, I actually, I, I just knowing Garrett Cole, I thought I truly thought he was being responsible about it. And he was I, pumping a
1: hundred. I mean, yeah, so he was, you gotta feel good about
2: that. Yeah. He was throwing a hundred. I know he was getting hit hard, but like, uh, it, sure. That's a reason for concern, but. The Blue Jays have gotten him before and the Blue Jays are hot right now. So I didn't really think uh, much into it. The manner in which he removed himself, he just quickly signaled and he had somebody come check on him and they walked off the field. I'm sure he just told them what was going on. And that was that Um, I was more so just concerned because uh, I'm more so concerned in general because I understand the rotation is not the problem. And that's we can afford uh we can't afford a season ending injury but we can afford a little break from Garrett Cole there because there have been enough guys to step up but i was just saying this is in in my head this is the one guy who can give the the 7-8 scoreless uh outing to prop the offense up in some capacity or only you know uh rely upon them to get one or two runs and and that could theoretically be a win and then you remove that from the equation and then it's harder for the Yankees to stop the bleeding. So that was just my worry that he's going to miss his next start. But I did not panic. I He seemed like he was just like, dude, this is bo- something's bothering me. I don't want to push it. Get me out of here. This game's on DJ LeMay got eaten up by that grounder and it changes, it changed the whole game. That's a double play ball. If he comes up with it, I understand it's not a, not an easy play. Um, but yeah, you got to at least knock that down. Uh, and maybe it's runners on first and second. Um but yeah, thankfully, uh, I, I wasn't too worried. Uh, the offense is still concerning me more than anything else. So. I hate baseball. Baseball
1: is just not good. Um, you know, let's so let's maybe uh, can we can we dive into the past for a little yeah. bit? Like if we're, if we're doing a mini sode and Derek Jeter's making the Hall of Fame, you know, officially today he's going to give his speech. It's probably going to last a minute and a half, <laughs> three minutes maximum, knowing Derek Jeter. Tino going to speak for longer than Jeter, um, but, you know. God, God love him. A um, lot of people on Twitter um, having the time of their lives today who never watched Derek Jeter play baseball, who uh, recently turned 14 and root for the Miami Marlins, twisting themselves into a knot. As they, as they discover Derek's baseball reference page or Fangraph's page and, and act like Ponce de Leon, like stumbling upon untrod territory, like looking back at their parents being like, has anyone ever seen this before? Yes, we know about Derek Jeter's defensive stats. We know his OPS pluses are not, you know, they're well above league average, but they're not exactly, you know, the 141. Hey, spoiler alert, Derek Jeter isn't Albert Pujols. It's like everybody who is a child who was born in 2008 appears to be discovering for the first time that Derek Jeter was not Barry Bonds. Derek Jeter was also not, you know, the best defensive player in MLB history. These are very interesting facts for children to learn. And I'm, I'm glad we have information available at our fingertips. But without the context of Derek Jeter's full career, this is no way to assess his contribution to Major League Baseball. The Yankees might win some of their 90s titles without him, but it is an entirely different era. Baseball is a story beginning to end. You cannot tell the story of baseball without Derek Jeter's extremely meaningful contributions. He owns signature moment after signature moment. If you're not a fan of the Yankees, I understand why you wouldn't want to watch them again. I don't want to watch David Ortiz's home runs, but Derek Jeter is intrinsic to the fabric of the game from 1995 to roughly 2012. He deserves to be celebrated. He would be, and I'm going to go one. I'm going to go one more here. People say Jeter wouldn't be celebrated in the same manner if he played in Kansas City or Milwaukee. I'm going to go another level and say he would be much more celebrated. If he played in Kansas City or Milwaukee and was just as great, do you see what they say about George Brett? Like he he is the he is the leader of an entire generation of fans for the entire Midwest. People think George Brett is unimpeachably a god. If Derek Jeter had played in one of these small cities and won one to two World Series, surrounded by good teams in these tinier baseball towns, he would be he would be the first one hundred one percenter Hall of Famer. He suffers from being a Yankee because people have Yankee fatigue. That's my hottest take. And, and I'm, I'm putting that on you. Do you agree or disagree?
2: I agree with it. CC Sabathia played a half season with the Brewers and he's still a legend there. Like it, he's going to get a statue. Yeah. Derek Jeter. I mean, it's, 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 it's hilarious because now all of a sudden when people have Hall of, uh, definitive Hall of Fame cases and it's someone you don't like, then we're going to dive into the contrarian statistics and we're going to look at advanced defensive stats and how they weren't that great. Um, And why that that should knock him down a peg as one of the all time greats? I and that's the same people who will argue that that you know oh if you don't have enough championships why do you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? It's just every argument is is exists to satisfy the contrarians. The guy appeared, Jeter appeared in 158 fucking playoff games. It's an extra full MLB season. He slashed, he hit 308 with an 838 OPS. Who have you seen that has done that? I like I, I and I don't know. I don't understand what more what more needs to happen for you to be satisfied. He was a largely a five-tool player for most of his career. No, he didn't hit 40 home runs. No, like yeah, he wasn't Barry Bonds, dude. Sorry, but he was a perennial MVP candidate. He was uh, he was the captain of the New York Yankees during arguably one of the greatest stretches in franchise history. Like, how does that not hold any weight with all the all the people talking about how much how, how hard it is to play in the spotlight in New York and how it is to kind of corral your team and deal with the media and deal with the criticism and the, and the tough fan base. How does that, that not weigh into the equation or is how is that not one of the leading factors into your evaluation of somebody who's going to the hall of fame? I don't understand. And we're going to, and you want to talk about longevity two decades in the league, almost 2,800 games played. Uh, Once again, I don't know what more you want. We're complaining about guys on a a daily basis now who are – how many times have we complained about Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Sand for missing games for soft tissue injuries? Derek Jeter, one of the most reliable players from an availability standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, and delivered with his play. I understand he was surrounded by other tremendous players that certainly helped him, but guess what? He still delivered. He still led the league in hits twice. He still came up with all the clutch hits. He won five World Series and one and five Silver Sluggers. Like that defines you as being one of the greatest at your position of all time. So I I don't I don't understand where uh, I I mean I do understand where you're coming from as a hater. You don't want to see other people that you don't like succeeding. You don't want to see fans of opposing uh, fan bases enjoy their lives. But don't come up with nonsense arguments about why someone doesn't deserve to be enshrined or doesn't deserve the credit that they've earned over the course of two decades of a playing career. Most of you people arguing about it haven't done one uh, half decade of anything successful. So shut up, please. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back for you to wrap up Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard. Day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive s 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing
3: now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
1: Welcome back to the Inksco Yard podcast. Yeah, it's uh, again, I I just don't understand what the motivation is. Like, I'm sitting here. I I despise David Ortiz and he used steroids. And it bothers me that he's going to be waltzing into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And, you know, Alex Rodriguez is not. Uh, David Ortiz is still out here searching for the real killer with his steroid tests. and, And that's great. But I can sit here and say he deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame because what he means to the story of the game of baseball Boston Red Sox, no World Series since 1918 until he arrived. 2004, 2007, 2013. He hit like 800 in the 2013 World Series. He was the singular driving force behind the 04 title for sure. and 07 and 13, he played a monstrous role. He was a World Series MVP in 13, and if Dustin Pedroia had played like three more years, I'd be here advocating for him for the Hall of Fame too. These are some of the greatest players I've watched in the biggest rivalry in baseball. If you are a Red Sox fan and you are earnestly tweeting about Derek Jeter's defensive shortcomings, then you are a lunatic, and you are also an example of why Red Sox fans uh, deserve. We we need fewer platformed Red Sox fans, De-platform Red Sox fans. They're everywhere. (laughs) They're like in politics, like Chris, like uh, Senator Chris. Murphy from Connecticut today was retweeting guys saying Derek Jeter doesn't deserve to be in the hall of fame. And the guy was joking and like, uh, uh ha ha. Very funny. But like, stop. You're a senator. Like, let's get Red Sox fans out of the Senate. We can't be doing this. And we certainly can't be doing this on Twitter. The Senate has more things to bother with. But I, I can acknowledge greatness. And by the way, you know, what's weird is that most of the people who are being these Jeter detractors, they don't seem to be Red Sox fans. They seem to just be baseball tweens yeah. who have grown up in an era where the Yankees don't even win titles anymore. And they still decide to degrade previous eras. They didn't grow up with just because, because these current Yankees can't come through in the clutch and haven't gotten the breaks and haven't gotten the bounces. The previous generation must not have been as good as we were told either. Well, guess what? They were, they really were, they, they showed up and, uh, you know, made something out of nothing in 1996, came back from a crazy deficit. Derek Jeter's rookie year was a huge part of game six of the World Series. It was a huge part of that whole run and that whole season. Rookie of the year, unanimous, I believe. <laughs> I actually don't know that for sure. I have it right here. Uh, but I then, yeah, 1998, uh, the leader of an unkillable baseball team. 1999, another world champion, dispatched of the other team of the century in Atlanta. 2000 spiraled worst September ever. The Yanks are up 2 one on the road, the subway series who starts game four with a home run. None other than Derek Jeter. This team knew what it took to win. It was, you had to kill them 10 times in order to knock them out of the playoffs it was like the Patriots for 20 years. It's like, it, you think you have Tom Brady at 28, three, you have to kill him 10 more times in order to get him to the end of that game. And the final whistle, Derek Jeter was the same thing. And people always talk about how there were more people responsible on those Yankee championship teams than just Jeter. And we're overrating his legacy. Yes, Bernie Williams deserves all the credit in the world. Paul O'Neill, Tino Martinez, David Cohen, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, Jorge Posada. Absolutely, all these people deserve credit. You know what's crazy? Mariano Rivera, the closer, is the only other Hall of Famer, and nobody else from that roster is getting in. I think Bernie deserves to be in, but he's not getting in. Posada not coming close. Pettit not coming close. So doesn't that imbue Jeter with more greatness? People are always arguing about how many more contributors there were on that roster – that team was greater than the sum of its parts in large part because of the leadership of Derek Jeter, as ridiculous as that sounds. All, all of these things that, that feel like detracting statements, all they do is strengthen his case for me. Um, I don't know what your favorite Jeter moment is. It's it's hard to lay it out because there are so many and they're all sort of, you know, it, it, going along with that fact that they're also intrinsic and it's like a, you know, a great fabric woven together. These Yankee championships uh, I think the flip play is sort of second to none. Jeremy Giambi slides. We might not be having that discussion, but that's the thing. Derek Jeter on one side, the baseball acumen to get a crazy overthrow range somewhere he's not supposed to be and make a behind the back flip in order to get the out at home plate. On the other side is a baseball team that's ostensibly equal in talent to the Yankees and Jeremy Giambi doesn't have any of the baseball know how to even think to slide, which is the most basic bit of baseball like if you want to talk about like having it versus not having it, Derek Jeter's the wherewithal to be out of position to make a behind-the-back play, and the guy on the other end doesn't even have the wherewithal to get on the ground, and that's the difference. the The teams Derek Jeter was facing didn't have an ounce of his baseball knowledge. And and he exploited it in big moments, time and time again. Uh, and truly, it does feel like that. You know, Jeter Brady should be spoken of more. You really did have to kill these Yankees a hundred times to get them out. It's like a cockroach you could cut in half, and the back half skitters away. They were an awesome team that you're not going to understand if you're 15 years old and reading advanced stats. And that's just how it is.
2: What's what's your moment? Do you have one? Ooh, well, by the way, he did win Rookie of the Year that way uh, uh, that year, um, unanimously.
1: And he wasn't even the starter. Friends. wasn't even the starter entering spring training. It was supposed to be Tony Fernandez, rest in peace. But that's mm-hmm. baseball is weird. Some of the years when you don't expect to be anything, you're everything. Uh, Jeter wasn't supposed to be the starter on March fifth or whatnot. Took the job and ran with it. The Yankees have been really reticent to do that in recent years. Give overperforming rookies a chance to shine, and uh, maybe they should learn something from themselves because you know it, it works sometimes.
2: Yeah. Uh, my favorite Jeter moment, uh, probably not. I was I I had been thinking about this, um, but probably not really on anybody's radar. His his three thousandth hit, man, home run. Like that's that. I was there. Yeah, that embodied that embodies Derek Jeter to me. It's like here's the moment, here's the opportunity to make the moment even greater and even more of a storybook type deal. And he does it. He did it to end his career with the walk off hit against the Orioles. Don't care if the pitcher grooved the fastball in there. It still happened. But three thousandth hit was a home run. Absolutely amazing. Um, but kind of a runner up for me is because I can't I never really I've just always appreciated Derek Jeter taking the field on a nightly basis because I knew what we were getting out of him. Um and you knew like I said the leadership qualities, the reliability, the dependability. Um I was at the 1999 World Series when they closed it out against the Braves at Yankee Stadium. Um and just watching him celebrate. Um I know he uh he didn't I don't he didn't have the greatest series in in that uh in that World Series. Um, the next, I think the next one against the Mets was his, that was when he won MVP. Um, but yeah, I mean, he still hit three fifty three against the Braves. Uh, he didn't produce a whole lot of runs, only one, uh, one RBI and four runs scored, but just watching him celebrate at the end of it with his teammates, that was just like, that just defined him for me. Just, he's through and through a team guy, um, and managed to rise to the occasion at every single, if, if he wasn't producing runs, he was hitting for average. He was getting on base. He was stealing bases. He stole three in that world series. Um, so just watching all the confetti fall, watching him celebrate um, what re- really meant a lot for me as a nine-year-old. Uh, it was, it was a moment of idolization for me, uh, but to take the cake, I mean, I loved his three thousandth hit. It, it truly, uh, it, it kind of uh, set the tone for um the, the end of his career and how things were kind of going to transpire for him and how he would be remembered. Um, and that's how I remember him always making the moment greater than it really should have been. I was at
1: that 3000 hit game. I can't believe I forgot that mm-hmm. um, th- to mention that it was incredible. I, I, awesome. I had tickets for the day before it got rained out. I was on the Metro North train with my parents Fake. learned of the rain out, um, bought tickets for the next day on the train. I think there was like rain in the forecast the next day too, or I don't know. We immediately cashed him in, turned around, rode the train back, drove in the next day. Incredible game. And it doesn't get mentioned enough. He obviously went through. He, he needed two hits that day. Got a hit his first mm-hmm. appearance and then homer in a second. Of course he did. And then uh broke it. Yankees had a four, three lead late in that game, blew the save um, in, in an echoing what would eventually happen in that 2014 game where David Robertson blew a crazy save just so Jeter could walk it off. Four, four game, the eighth, he broke the tie again. I think he went five for five. Uh, just an incredible baseball player up until the moment when his ankle snapped in the 2012 playoffs, which signaled the end of the era because he came back the next year. Wasn't the same, you know, was very much a 40 plus year old man by the time he retired. But right up until 2012, he, he was incredible, Um, which is sort of an underrated part of his legacy, too, because you remember the regressing Jeter. You remember he couldn't stay on the field in 2013 and in 2014, the endless farewell tour and the Angels gave him a surfboard. And that's when he started (laughs) to jump the shark and it was like, all right, he can't play anymore. Everybody who's saying that is right. But uh, up until 2012, he was a valuable, he had an unbelievable 2012 season. Yeah. Should've won the 2006 MVP. Yep. Uh, Justin Morneau took it from him. Just a great baseball player. Every girl in my class loved Derek Jeter third and fourth grade. I remember being the contrarian and just trying to like other people because everybody liked Derek Jeter. Um, But there, there's nothing not to like about Derek Jeter and, Uh, Yeah, it was a bygone era where the Yankees competed every day and you knew you couldn't get rid of them and they did punt games in the sixth inning. And uh, it's just a different era to watch baseball in. And I miss it very much. And congratulations, Derek, on your well-deserved induction. Congratulations to Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, and Marvin Miller, too. Uh, Hell of a year. Very excited to watch the ceremony. That is it for this minisode. Getting off my soapbox. I'm Adam Weiner, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you?
2: I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us at yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. You can also talk to us on the official Yanks Yard Twitter account at yanksgoyard.fs, where I was ripped last night for saying Albert Abreu wasn't that good. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know. At this point, what take? is gonna make someone happy i really don't spoiler understand. alert
1: to, to everybody who listened to the end of the podcast now you get to know whose tweet you hated
2: yeah well we should do mean tweets for all the all the shit that we tweet that everybody hates and we'll just read people trashing us for just like basic takes that swear are... to god this is the worst yankee account on twitter you guys are stands for the everybody
1: should be a Derek cheater stand instead of an albert brave stand and his 5.71 FIP over 20 innings of baseball got us out of a couple of jams in Chicago. That was great. I loved that. Still not that
2: good. Yep. Uh, and I did mention before that Derek Jeter was the captain during the Yankees championship runs. He obviously was not. It was afterward, but the Yankees run set the tone for him to become the captain. Just wanted to clarify that. Love you, Jeets. Congratulations, buddy. Congratulations to
3: our close personal friend. We'll see you on Friday. Let's get a win or two. How about it? Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code radio and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply.